Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, so we have a new series. Yay, new series. That's our second series in a row. I mean, seriously, guys, we haven't had series for a while. I don't know if you noticed that. Maybe you didn't notice that, which is good if you didn't notice that. But we have another series again, and this, this one is called The Gift Exchange. And um, it's, you know, thematic with the time of year. You can see the gift there and trying to be, you know, with the season. But yet also be sensitive to what God is doing in our church. You know, uh, one of the things Val and I talk about is it's, you know, it's easy to kind of pigeonhole and go out and find a series. And it's clever and, you know, it's all great. But really what you want is, what is God saying to us today? You know, what, what, where are we at as a church? Where are we at as a people? What are some things that we need to hear? And so my hope is that as we go through this the next few weeks, that these topics that we're going to look at will really resonate uh, with you. Now, a gift exchange. I don't know, you've probably been in a few of them over the years, right? Uh, you know, at the office or with the family, I remember with youth, I used to be a youth pastor, Val and I used to work with youth back in Lethbridge way long time ago. And uh, we, I remember one time we had a youth white elephant exchange. You know what a white elephant gift is? Something you don't use, something that's sitting at home forever, and you decide to bless someone else with it, right? It's either that or go down to, <laughs> to Value Village and give it away, right? But it's something you're ready to get rid of. Hopefully not too bad a quality, hopefully decent quality. So I remember we, we you know, did all that and so we're passing it around and we had the gift that you know the one where like the last person you know there's numbers and then the first person you can steal it and we didn't have any limited on the steal so it was like being stolen all the time I don't know about you but that chaps me anybody there there's some we need to write in on this there needs to be rules because you know I get the gift that I really want like after the third exchange and someone else takes it and it deals with my heart, you know, like God is working, even in that, yeah. So, so anyway, this was going on the whole time, and there was this one particular box that everybody wanted, and it was like the biggest. How many people know the biggest isn't always the best, right? You, but I still think that way often, like when I was a kid, because I'd always think the biggest is the best, but it isn't always. So they always want it. So I, in the end, got mine stolen, so I took back the box, and it was the end of the game. So I opened it up thinking that I was going to get like an amazing gift. And I got these big old gray mittens, like really big. And um, yeah, and, the people, and it was the pastor's son that gave it to me. And he was having great joy that I got his gift because they were really ugly gray mittens. Now, here's the weird part of it. They actually became quite helpful over time. I actually used them for years. Seriously, they didn't look very good. But man, my hands were warm, right? So God bless Peter, right? He, he, he thought he was getting me, but he actually gave me a good gift. White elephant gifts. I want to show you something else here. So this is the time of year we're trying to figure out gifts to give. Let's look at a few ideas. Here, let me just say this. This is a value-added session. This is going to help you. Here are some gifts you could give. So look at this one. Crib dribbler. See, I was thinking about that for my new, uh, my daughter and son, son, daughter-in-law and son and their new baby, crib dribbler. This is how to get the formula to the baby. Do you notice the baby's there receiving the formula? Earwax candle kit. How practical. Use something that is so common 
to make something so beautiful. And I like the knapsack. You like the knapsack? I like that. I'm tired. I want a nap. I'm putting this over my head, right? Ignore me. I'm having a nap. Let's look at the next one. These are so awesome. Um, the knapsack's still there. I like this one. Bathe and brew. Bathe and brew. Now, you notice they got, they got the shower head, right? That woman just had a shower. And look, her coffee's already, right? It's like, oh, I just had a shower. I'm so fresh. Here, I'm going to pour myself a cup of coffee. Or I like pet sweep. You know, I thought about belts right away. I mean, I thought about belts. Pet sweep. You put them on your, your feet. And even the, even the dogs have them on, right? Look at that. They're cleaning the floor the whole time. Pet sweep. This last one, though, don't go to it yet. Don't go to it yet. This last one is, is just like my favorite. And I've actually thought of giving it to uh, my son and daughter-in-law and, and their two boys. But maybe not. Oh, look at this one. My first fire. <laughs> It's for, it's for ages two plus. Think about that, right? So this, this is for a child to have his first fire at home. And, you know, so part of me thinks, that would be great for my grandkids. And I'm thinking, my mind goes further, fire trucks outside the house, burning down in Dover. No, probably not good. Uh, all right, so this, this is not helpful at all to anybody, but it was funny. That's what I thought. So the, these are gifts that you could exchange with other people and, and they, would, they would have impact. Um, but here's, here's the shift from the ridiculous to the sublime. Here, here's the reality of, of gift exchange. So we give gifts every year. And that's the exciting part of Christmas, really. Uh, and the essence behind it of giving gifts is that we have been given a gift in the birth of Jesus. Right? Like if we go back to, to why we do what we do, it really is meant to be a reflection of what God does for us. Now, our society kind of forgets that, right? I mean, it gets lost. And, uh, but really, that's the reason we should be given gifts. Is it's, it's a reflection of the fact that we have been given the greatest gift at this time of year, the Son of God, the birth of Jesus. And so in, in reflection of that, we also give gifts to each other. And we bless each other. And so the exciting part of it is this, that God has given us so much. And that's what we want to look at over the next few weeks. What are the areas that we have that are, that are gifts that life gives us, okay, that we don't really want? It's kind of like the gloves, right? Given the gift I don't really want, and, but I want to exchange it for something I want. And so the idea is there's things in my life that I don't want, like weariness, like maybe unforgiveness, like loneliness. And I want actually another gift. I want to exchange that for something else. And the only one that can exchange that and change that in our lives is God himself. He can come and give us a gift. And we can give up that gift for something we really want. That's the essence of this whole series. And the reality with God's gift exchange to us is it's not equal value, right? Now when, you know, you know how it is if you think logically like I do at times. You know, if I exchange a gift, I'm hoping for something of equal value. You know what I mean? I really am. If I really put, I mean, if I didn't get something of equal value, hopefully I have a good heart and an attitude and I realize I didn't do it for that reason. But, you know, we, 
We like to, you know, I gave you this nice gift. You gave me that nice gift. We tend to think that way. But here's the thing. With God, it is not equal value. Let me give you an example that might help with this. So there's a man named Kyle McDonald. If I say that name, does anybody remember who this is? Okay, perfect. Because now I can tell you, and it's like revelation. So Kyle McDonald is a Canadian who became famous for an amazing story. He was without a job. He had no money. And his girlfriend was floating his rent. How many people know this is not an ideal living situation? But he wanted to own a house. So he was thinking, how can I own a house? How can I take what I have and actually begin to to own a house? So all he had was one red paper clip. Anybody starting to clue in now? All he had was one red paper clip. So he decided he was going to offer the red paper clip on Craigslist in exchange for something else. This is like 2006. So... First thing that happened, there is a pair of young women in Vancouver. They offered him a fish pen in exchange for his paperclip, which is generous considering it's a paperclip. Think about it, the value of a paperclip. They gave him a fish pen. And, and then he traded, he traded the fish pen for a doorknob. But apparently, I read, this, I read about this. I, I, I want to research these things when I share them. It was an ornate pottery doorknob. So it was a one-of-a-kind doorknob. So he got the doorknob, and then he, cha- he traded it for a camping stove. I don't know how that works, but he got a camping stove out of a doorknob, and then a generator. So like somebody said, hey, oh, I want the, the camping stove. I'll give you this generator. So he got a generator, and then he traded the generator for a neon sign. Wow, that's different. And then he continued this. 14 exchanges in all, okay? So 14 times he's giving up what he received, And finally, this is what happened. He landed a small acting job. And he, this small acting job, he exchanged for a house in Ridley, Saskatchewan. Two-story house, farmhouse in Ridley, Saskatchewan. And then what the the town did is they kind of had a contest to see who would get the acting job. That's how it works. So he got his house in in just over a year from a red paper clip. Hello, some of you, the wheels are turning. Wow. I have a red paper clip at home. I could be wealthy, right? Like, but think about this. Like, uh, like what in, and then he wrote a book. Like, if you go online, he's written a book. He's probably made more money off of the book. Uh, you know, like, I mean, he's smart, right? He's probably multimillionaire now. And it all came from a red paper clip. Now, here's a thought. A paper clip for a house. Is that a pretty incredible exchange? That is. Like, if, you know, by the time you get through the 14, you know, iterations a paperclip for a house is an amazing exchange but let me just say something the exchange between you and I and God is even greater than that let me explain because the great exchange between us and God and what he gives us and what we give him is this all we have to offer God is our sin (laughs) now think of this for a minute All we really have to offer him, it's our lives. But really, we come to him and we have sin that we need to deal with, which is less desirable than a paperclip. Who would agree with that, right? That's not as valuable as even a paperclip. Sin is actually not desirable and not valuable. It's the other way. I like what author Eric Geiger says about this. He says, the only thing of my own which I can contribute to my own redemption, redemption is me having Uh, my sins paid for, my life being redeemed through the sacrifice of another, 
The only thing on my own which I can contribute to my own redemption is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. Wow. Let me read that again. The only thing on my own which I can contribute to my own redemption is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. Unbelievable. All I have to offer you, God, so I can be redeemed from my sin is my sin. Oh, there's great value there. Wow. That's, I don't have much to give God. I just haven't to give him my yuck. And yet here's the good news. This is the good news, folks. This is why we have Christmas. This is why we should be excited. That's why Jesus came. He came to selflessly give of himself to sacrifice for your and my sin, pay the price so that we could come to him, offer him our lives as flawed as they are. And he would say, I received that. Let me make an exchange with you. You give me your life as flawed as it is. You give me your sin and I will give you my redemption, and I will give you my righteousness, which means you have right standing with, with me, which means when, I, when my father looks at your life, he sees my righteousness. He sees my perfection when he looks at you. He no longer sees your sin. Is this an amazing exchange? Is this like the great exchange? It is. It is amazing. And this, this message is why we need to tell the world. People need to know this. People need to know this. They don't have to die in their sins. They don't have to pay the price for their sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, pardon me, become the righteousness of God. Wow. Him who had no sin becomes sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the exciting thing about this concept. You know, it's kind of like, think about if you had something awful and terrible and you, you wanted to cover it up, right? You just wanted to cover it up. And so you, you, you took something nice and wrapped it around it and it made it look pretty, but it was still awful, right? Like at the core, it was just awful, but you covered it over. And when you looked at it, you thought, well, that looks pretty nice now, even though I know it's rotten to the core, right? Here's, here's the good news. When, when Jesus comes and he changes us it's not like he says yeah you're you're rotten you have this sin I'm just going to cover over your rottenness so that when you know that you look better and 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 you look more acceptable and all of that I'm just gonna he doesn't actually do that you know what he does he literally changes the rottenness he goes in and he changes you and me he changes who we are he doesn't just cover us over so we're, we're, we're still like these, these awful people. He actually changes us. Re, we're reborn. We come alive to him. And then we go in a process where he begins to change us. In a, in a, experientially, he changes us in, in a positional way. And then he begins to work in us more and more as we continue. It's an exciting, exciting picture. It's an incredible exchange. So today I want to look at this. I want to give you, I want to look at a passage of scripture and I want to look at this first exchange, which is weariness for renewed hope. And I realize there's different ways we could look at weariness, right? There's all sorts of reasons that we could consider why are people weary. One of them is that you've just been discouraged and, and disappointed. Disappointment will cause you to be weary. You know, you hope for something doesn't happen. You get weary. There's different ways I could look at how to deal with weariness. But what I really felt in my heart was one of the ways, one of the things that causes us to get weary is just life and sin 
and the things that happen to us and the shame we feel and the regret that we have for our past journey. You know what? At Christmas time, it's, it's both a, a pro and a con in many ways, right? Christmas is a wonderful time of year and it can be exciting. But also for many people, Christmas is a reminder period of time. You know people like this? Maybe yourself. You know, you remember, you remember how your family fell apart. You remember how your relationship is no longer with that person. You remember um, some of the things that have happened in the past. Because Christmas is something that comes around every year, right? And so it can bring up things in our lives. And while everyone else is making merry and being excited, we feel heavy because we remember and so part of the gift God wants to give people here today is he wants to say, look, um, I want to help you deal with those failures, disappointments. I want you to deal with that physical, emotional, and spiritual weariness you feel because of the unresolved issues that are there, because of some of the things you haven't dealt with, because of the shame you feel. I want you to deal with that. I want to come in this season and not just have you kind of gloss it over and try to deal with it and grit it out like you do every year and just, I hope this, I can get through this because this is hard on me. This reminds me of all sorts of things, but we'll get through. No, he actually wants to heal you. He actually wants to touch you and bring newness to you so that, because you and I understand this, right? You can add all the music and all the gifts and all the stuff and you can have all this, but if inside you're miserable, it just makes it worse. Anybody with me on this? I know, because I've been there. I have found Christmas hard at times. Had a lot of grief and loss in the fall of my life. And so I've had tough goes at Christmas. I've been a bah humbug guy often. And it's usually because of what's going on in my heart. It's because of what I'm dealing with. But you know, I'm thankful because God has been working in me. And it's good. And he wants to work in you. So one thing I look at is take the opportunity when you're uncomfortable and you feel the pressure to actually deal with the issue. You know, don't just let it go away. Don't just hope it passes. Go, you know, this is tough, but I'm actually going to let this push me to come to you, God, and receive healing. And that would be my hope today. That would be my goal. So I want to look today at, at uh, King David. I'm going to look at a passage of scripture and I want to look at a situation after he sinned with Bathsheba. And I, I also want to give credit for the base of this message to author Eric Geiger. I really, there was a teaching he had that just really inspired me on this. So I just want to give credit to that. So Bathsheba and David. Now we, we know this story, many, many of us, but some of us might not. So let's just go through it again. If you were King David, aren't you excited that this is written in the Bible for all time? Hey. Eh? We can read about this all the time. I mean, seriously, I'm glad that scripture's not being written today about my life, right? But David, we know all about his life. So David, great king, man after God's own heart, but he has a weakness. He's supposed to be out fighting with his men. They're out at, at war, and uh, he stays at home in Jerusalem. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he feels like, I've done my bit. I'm entitled I don't need to go out to fight anymore. Who knows what he's thinking? But he hangs out. He gets a little bit idle. He doesn't have a lot going on. And one night, he goes out on the roof, walking around Jerusalem. You could, you know, do that and see other places. And he sees a UFO, an unclad female object. 
I know it's a bad joke, but he does. He, he sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof, which, you know, it's not a good thing. So, and, you know, he didn't do the right thing. He didn't go, um, you know, okay, I'm going back. I'm going to pray now. I shouldn't have seen that. That's bad. Instead, he thinks about it, and he calls Bathsheba to his room, and the rest is history. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant, which is very problematic. Now, her husband is Uriah, and Uriah is one of David's most loyal men. If you read in the Bible, he's one of his mighty men. This is a very, very bad story. So David calls Uriah back. He's hoping that Uriah will sleep with his wife when he calls him back from the front, so that then it would be like, that's... That's their baby, but Uriah, who is an honorable man, says, no, I'm not going to do that while my other soldiers are out in the field. And anyway, bottom line is David sends a note back with Uriah to Joab, the commander, that says, push Uriah near the front, put him in the front lines, back off from him and let him be killed, which is what happens. He's killed. David marries Bathsheba. She has a baby. It's a bad story, isn't this an awful story? It's really bad. For about a year or so, I think, David kind of deals with it. It doesn't talk about it. And uh, we'll talk in a minute how he felt. And finally, Nathan the prophet comes to him one day, gives him a parable to help him understand what he's done, and then says, you're that man. You're the man who's, who's done this evil thing. Challenges David. David repents to his credit. He says, you're right. I've sinned before God. He repents. The child dies. Even though David seeks God and prays the child will live. And then uh, David continues on. And actually, there's a lot of bad things that happen with David's kids over the years because of it. Death happens, four of his sons. It's a bad story all the way around. But there is something that I want to point out from this about David's response and what God did for David. Would you agree with me? That's a pretty awful story. If they made a movie about that, that'd be a bad movie. Like, that would be like, this is awful. Who, who is this person? Oh, this is a person who has a heart after God, because that's what David did. So it shows you how we all can be deceived, right? We can all walk in bad places. So here's, here's what David says in Psalm 51. If you want to read about this and read about his response, Psalm 51, listen to what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Wow. Verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. The big, the big one, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, David's greatest fear if you look at this, was that he would no longer have relationship with God. He would no longer sense God. He would no longer be close to God. That was his greatest fear because he was somebody used to walking with God and knowing God and worshiping God. And so he's like, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. Please be near me still. I need you in spite of my mistakes, in spite of my sin. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, isn't that a powerful psalm of repentance? Isn't that a powerful declaration of David, of owning his sin, of saying, God, I need you to come and wash me and cleanse me. Now, I want to, I Psalm 32, it's earlier in the book of Psalms, but it's actually a follow-up to Psalm 51. 
And here's what David says there. And this is the one I want to focus in on. And it's, it's actually on PowerPoint. Psalm, 50, Psalm 32. Here's what he says. He said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Look at verse three. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Wow, what's he saying? He said, when I didn't talk about this, when I kept it to myself, when I held in my sin, when I didn't confess it, when I didn't deal with it, I just died inside. I died inside. My bones wasted, my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, think about this for a minute. The condition David shares about his life. He says, you know, while I kept silent about what I'd done, while I held it to myself, while I lived in shame but didn't bring anyone else in, while I carried this myself, I was dying. I was rotting away inside. You want to talk about weariness of soul. Imagine David, the great psalmist, right? The great musician with his harp and singing to God. There would have been no singing during that year. There would have been no psalms. There was just silence. There was inwardness. Why? Because David was ashamed. David was hiding this. David was trying to work it out on his own. And meanwhile, God was actually pressing him and saying, David, deal with this. David, deal with this. It was actually God allowing David to feel the pressure so that he would repent, so that he would deal with his sin. I like what it says in the message. I mean, I like the way they say this. Joel used this paraphrase this morning. It says, the pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Wow. Pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. You know, sometimes I think that we focus on issues in our life and we call them issues, we call them problems, we call them obstacles, whatever we want to call them. But I think often we just need to go back to the reality that it's just sin. <laughs> you know, it's just sin. Sin in our lives, we all have it in some measure. We're, none of us are perfect. But sin is what makes us weary. Sin is what cuts us off from God. Sin is what becomes a burden we can't carry. Sin. The burdens of our failures, the burdens of the things we've done. And God wants to free us from that. He wants us to go through an exchange. Now, I want to look at this psalm briefly here, Psalm 32. And there are three Hebrew words there that show God's forgiveness. You know, we would read these, these three words and we would, just, we would just see the same thing. But if you dig into them, there are three concepts that I want to give you that explain how God takes our sin away. And I think this is going to encourage you. I really ask, encourage you to hear God in this and say, God, how does this apply to me? Is there something you want to speak today? So the first is this. Um, the first is this. The big exchange, there's three main exchanges. The first is our carrying for his carrying away. So remember I talked about the burden that David had. He was carrying that burden. Look what it says. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. So 
David was carrying this burden and God was coming to him and saying, David, I want to carry that burden. I don't want you to pay the price for your own sin. I don't want you to, to remain in that place where you're trapped. And so I need you to repent, repent. I need you to own it. That's what I need from you, David. I need you to own your mistakes, your sin, your failure. And when you do, then I can come and I can forgive you and I can give you grace and I can heal you and restore you. That's what God was, was telling him. So the whole point of this word forgiven here in verse 1 where it says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. That word forgiven is the Hebrew word nasa, and it means to lift or carry away. To lift or carry away. So what God was saying to David is, what you've been carrying, the burden that you have, that you feel you have to carry yourself, I want to lift it and carry it away for you and take it away so that you no longer have that burden. You know, for some of you today, and I just felt this when I was preparing, because obviously my heart is to prepare something that's going to hit home and touch people in their lives. And Lord, Lord, how does this apply? And I felt like the Lord said to me, there are people that will be there today and there are burdens they are carrying. There are things that, and they feel they need to. I deserve to carry this. Sometimes it's like, because of my mistakes, because of my past, I need to carry this myself. I need, this is mine to always carry. And God says, uh, no, actually, no, that's why I came. Because I don't want you carrying that. And sometimes even after we come to Jesus, we're still carrying it. Isn't that, isn't that weird that we would do that? We come to Jesus and we believe that he's our savior and yet we still feel that this is something I need to pay for, that I need to always carry in my life. And I felt there's some people here today that that's the case. And the Lord speaks to you today and says, listen, I want to carry that burden once and for all off your shoulders. That failure, that area of shame, that area of, of, of regret and, and failure. I want to take it off once and for all. I don't want you to live there anymore. I don't want you to feel like that has ownership over you. I want to take it off. And if you're here and that's you, just start letting the Lord speak to you and, and his grace come because he doesn't want you leaving here the same. He wants to take that burden off of you. That's what God was telling David. He was saying, um, I'm going to carry away, David, your sin. I'm going to take it off your shoulders. You won't have to carry it anymore. Second great exchange from this passage is our covering for his covering. Our covering for his covering. Psalm 32, 1. Blesses the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. This word covered is the word kasa, and it means to hide without any possibility of finding, to bury out of sight forever. <laughs> right? You ever think about this being absolute? You ever think about this, the intensity of what this is saying? You know, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. David is saying, God has buried my sin forever. Blessed is the one who's taken this evil part of my life, this terrible, sordid tale of my failure, and he's buried it forever. So it's not discoverable. Isn't that powerful? Now, there are people here that need to hear this too because you, you have had 
that in your life. You've, um, you've come to God and you've said, you know, please forgive me. But you're actually the one digging it up. <laughs> right? You're actually the one digging it up. You're actually the one going back to it and digging it up again and remembering. Yeah, I'm a bad person. I think I'll just dig this up and think about it again, how I did this. And, and the enemy's saying, you better remember. You better dig that up again, lest you ever do this again, right? So remember this. And, and that's your lot in life. It's just to remember. And God's saying, you know what? I buried it. I buried it. And it's done. It's undiscoverable. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's undiscoverable. If you trust me, what, what has happened there has been covered through the power of the blood of Jesus. To hide without any possibility of finding. To bury out of sight forever. Amazing. So God wants to do that today with some of you. Some of you here, like I said, I just felt this. There's, there's some things, and it, and it may be triggered by the season, relationally. It, it might be all the time you feel it, and you, and you go back to it, and the enemy reminds you. And God wants to just let you know today, listen. You need to understand this is actually dealt with and I want you to be free. I want you to walk in freedom and truth. And the last, and, and sorry, and this, this part of covering, one thing I want to point out is that us as humans have always tried to cover over our own sin, right? We always try to do our part to cover ourselves. You think of Adam and Eve, right? They, they sin against God. What's the first thing they do? They go out and they get fig leaves. I don't know. Why fig leaves? There might have been other leaves. Maybe they're just the best leaves. I don't know. If you're going to make clothes, make them out of fig leaves. I'm not sure why they made fig leaves, but they went and they made, I'm sure they were adorable clothing. Like what? <laughs> fig leaf clothing, I'm sure it was just fashion statement. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I mean, do you ever think about how this really looked? I mean, I do, obviously. And you're like, why would you do that? Anyway, so they, they use fig leaves Maybe they ate the figs first. They must have. And, and they used fig leaves. And, and, they, and they fashioned that. And then God comes and says, okay, guys, what have you done? In fact, I already know what you did, but I want to hear from you. Interesting. God wants them to admit what they've done. He already knows. Pardon me. He already knows. Did you eat of the tree you shouldn't have eaten of? Yes, he knows that. But yes, we did. It was her fault. It was the snake's fault. You know, blame shift. Started right there. But they, they're covering themselves up. So what does God do? He says, your covering is not enough. Your fig leaves, your attempt to cover over your wrongdoing will never be enough. So God goes and kills an animal. And blood is shed. And he makes clothes out of skins for them. It's a picture there, right? And he covers them with that. And the point is, the only way you and I can cover over what we've done is to have Jesus and his sacrifice covered over. Any attempts we make on our own will never be enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? And some of you are spending energy doing that. You don't realize it. You're spending energy. God says, I want you to be free. Thirdly, our recounting for his not counting. Our recounting for his not counting. You know, um, here's what it says. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. The Lord does not count against them. The Hebrew phrase for does not count is lokashab, and it means there's absolutely no counting, remembering, or reckoning of sin. Nothing. No counting, remembering, or reckoning. It's wiped away. The debt is paid completely. It's gone. 
And here's the problem for all of us is that at times we're counting and remembering things that God says, I'm not even counting against you anymore. So stop recounting it. Stop going back to it. But the only way we can stop recounting it is to repent, is to come to him and give it to him and then be free. So today I want to move forward here. We're going to have communion right now. If I could have the people that are going to help with that come up and begin to hand out the elements. And what I want to do as we close here is I want to encourage you just to, to pause this morning and look at these three things. Consider the fact that God wants to carry away your sin. He wants to carry away your past. Consider the fact that he wants to cover over what you've done completely so it's not even findable, which is amazing to me. And lastly, he doesn't want you to be recounting it anymore. And I want you just to let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we receive the elements today, which symbolize the sacrifice of our Lord for us, of his body and his blood, which pays for us to be forgiven.